0: This is the Mouths of the South podcast. You shut your mouth when you're talking to me. The official Dirty South soccer podcast. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Talking all things Atlanta United FC. Don't nobody understand the words that are coming out of your mouth, man. We are... The South got something to say. That's all I got to say. What's up, Atlanta? This is the Mouses of South podcast brought to you by Dirty South Soccer and the Palatial 680 The Fan Studios. I am Eric Guintana. Across from me, Mr. Sam Franco. Yep. Josh Bagrianski, a little lazy, didn't want to come in today. Typical. Just kidding. He's coaching until 9 o'clock and we're recording at 8.03. Yeah, we weren't trying to stay around here all that On a Tuesday. Yeah. I would like to tell the people. You got trolled by Mr. Hudson Mason.
1: Well, I, I legendary,
0: I tr- legendary Georgia quarterback.
1: I think I trolled him first. Hudson Mason. <laughs> I mean, I was just, I was trying to be funny. I, I, I even put like three little laughy emojis underneath it, but it is what it is. He took it uh, took it the wrong way, apparently. So uh, if, <laughs> if we got a beef, bring the cow.
0: We spent uh, what a good a good a solid ten minutes. Over the course of the whole show, maybe talking about the it. radio show, the radio show, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, talking maybe about more Hudson. Than that. Bay- I mean, it was a solid retort. Yeah, no, I mean, it, you know, a solid it, back and forth without Hudson Mason here.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's got a much bigger platform on this station than I do, or on on the uh, the Sports X than I do, though. So it's a little unfair. But hey, the, uh, you know, if, uh, all's fair in love and war. I guess the real
0: message is: is if you want that kind of good content. Going back and forth between San Franco and Hudson Mason. Make sure you're listening to the radio show every Tuesday, 7 p.m. on Atlanta's Sports
1: X. Check out him and Tug Coward every, uh, every every weekday morning. at noon.
0: Yep. All right. So Also, say- he
1: played quarterback at Georgia, and I didn't. So. <laughs> he's got that. He's got the he's clout. Got that on you. He's got the clout ahead of me. Yeah.
0: Um, all right. So, we've got news that broke today uh, that we'll cover uh, within the the expansion draft. We say goodbye to Brandon Vasquez. Oof. Uh, who is picked up by Nashville SC and then traded to FC uh, Cincinnati?
1: That's got to be kind of be kind of disappointing too. It's like you you figure you're gonna be going to this new club, and I know Cincinnati's kind of new so too. I
0: I I think that when these players are picked, they typically know they know what's, what's happening, happen. yeah, and yeah, and, and the expansion draft. It's the most MLS thing to see an expansion draft to then get traded to a different team. Well, the worst is like when you see
1: like like for example, I saw Nashville's Twitter account did like a graphic for like, hey, welcome Brandon Vasquez or whatever. And it's like, it's like in the NBA what's draft the at that point. I hate this so much <laughs> when they the do point? this. I really hate this. Like when you're doing drafts and like Trey Young, for example, when he got drafted, he got drafted by the Mavericks. Right. And so he had to put on like the Mavericks hat and like, you know, the NBA wouldn't officially announce it or whatever. And you had Luka Doncic walking around in his Hawks gear. And it's like, we know what's happening. Why can't you just like, let them wear the gear of the team they're going to be on. It doesn't make any sense. And like, this is kind of what like this is. It's like Nashville tweeting out this graphic, like, welcome Brandon Vasquez. And then like five minutes later, oh, by the way, he's being shipped off to Cincinnati. And I would much rather be in Nashville than Cincinnati if I had my druthers.
0: It, look, it's it's a good spot for for a guy like Brandon Vasquez who can uh, you know kind of try to establish himself on a different team, a, a team that uh, struggled last year, a team that he can certainly uh, create a little more with. Reunited with uh, our man um, Greg Garza. Greg Garza, yeah, for sure. And uh, hopefully he can find his his footing there, be more of a of an impact player for uh, FC Cincinnati.
1: He needed to get out of Atlanta. He if, he, if, if, if if this is his goal, if his goal isn't just to be a backup striker to Joseph Martinez for the rest of his career, and he wants to go out and play and wants to you know try to further his own career, yeah, this was a move that he needed to make and I mean I know he didn't technically make it somebody really right. kind of made it for him but th- this is a good opportunity for him no question about it especially on a Cincinnati team that's going to be going into year two and, and looking to improve and, and you know a team that's looking to to get better and actually you know be a or be an MLS level club because last year they were playing at a very USL clip yeah.
0: a lot <laughs> of these a lot of the young guys that are looking to to, to kind of come up in MLS aren't, aren't going to do aren't going to it's not going to be easy with Atlanta United so um, a guy like Brandon Vasquez is a good opportunity for him. Uh, I hope he does well. If nothing else, uh, FC Cincinnati has a good, good depth striker that they can call upon. Um, you know, first, second off the bench, if if they want. And, and he's got a chance to really develop uh, with FC Cincinnati. Uh, whereas here, he would have gotten great training, but he would never seen a lot of playing time. You, you saw how much playing time he got over the past few years yeah, he was the open of, cup yeah, king you know outside I mean, of open yeah. cup and and sure he he did do great things for for lane united in open cup but outside, he braces that, in the open cup they were really nice outside of that um you know not much with the first team um so nashville gets uh fifty thousand dollars in general allocation money and damn um, yeah so <laughs> I oh, think oh, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry good. i'm sorry <laughs> they get fifty fifty thousand dollars of general allocation money they also get 150 thousand in uh Targeted allocation, And that's, what they, that's for sending him to Cincinnati. Right. So, altogether, $200,000 in allocation money, which I think for a guy like Brandon Vasquez, good for uh, Nashville. And I think for clubs like Nashville
1: and Miami, who both made trades, I think, to get allocation money like out of this expansion draft, I think the play for them is what the play for a lot of MLS teams is going to be right now. Wait and see. You know, the, the CBA's coming up. There's going to be some intense negotiations there. Um, I don't know if you saw it, but that statement that came out from the head of the MLSPA basically saying, you know, we're going to do everything we can to not have a work stoppage, but, everyone's but prepared. just yeah. know there might be a work stoppage. Yeah. Uh, so if, if that happens, then, you know, th- these negotiations are proving to be just as intense as we thought they were going to be. And so I think a lot of teams right now don't want to like commit big money to anyone because they don't know what they're going to have. They don't know... What the future of allocation money even is? You well, know? Look, I,
0: you, you, you you can look at it this way as well. If you look at some of the stronger debt pieces that Atlanta United has, um, maybe not some of the stronger, but some of the debt that Atlanta United has, you're not paying them a ton of money. You're paying them eighty, ninety, sometimes barely, uh, mostly under a hundred thousand dollars. So if you think about it that way, and if you think about it in the sense that the the salary floor is likely to go up. Let's I would just, say it's let's guaranteed. Just, you know. Let's just let's just say it goes up to hundred thousand dollars with one player through the expansion draft, and uh, FC or uh, Nashville FC pretty much bought themselves two players at the minimum salary. Right. Yeah. if you so, want to think about it that way, and this is a
1: team that's going to be you know take a little while probably. It doesn't look like it looks like Inter Miami is is going to come in this trying to be like the big splashy team that – because, you know, it's David Beckham, it's Miami, sure. they want to hit the ground running, and so they, they're they probably going to make a big signing. Um, there's been some rumors about potential guys they were signing, even uh, I think uh, pretty good Uruguayan players on their radar. Um, I,
0: I don't know the rumors.
1: Well, regardless of knowing <laughs> the rumors or not, um, it's just when you look at the way that they're setting up, it seems like Nashville is probably going to take more of the Minnesota sure. yeah. approach, whereas um, – I'm not going to say Miami's taking the Atlanta approach, but a more similar approach to what Atlanta did in terms of wanting to be good and wanting to compete in this league right off the bat.
0: I don't know how it's going to work because think, they're trying to build a yeah. stadium
1: on an arsenic site. But you know, <laughs> again,
0: <laughs> I, I I'm with you there. I, I think that uh, Inter Miami is is looking to they're looking to they're going to exemplify what it really means to be a retirement team in MLS. They're gonna bring I, in some I, names. Yeah, they're gonna. Yeah. I think they're going after some big names. Uh, Maybe
1: they'll get Zlatan. I know Zlatan I, left the galaxy. Maybe he goes. Look, there. I don't know
0: how they're gonna pay for them all, but I have a feeling that they're gonna they're gonna do a they're gonna make a big deal out of getting uh, recognizable stars uh, within the sport. Well, they're gonna be like the Galacticos
1: kind of. You, you saw like David Beckham was one of the first big Galactico signings for Real Madrid, where they spent just buku's of cash on a guy uh that had that name clout recognition yeah so beckham knows what it's like to be a part of that um also with the la galaxy he was the first dp uh he was the first hey let's get this mega star from overseas and while he still
0: got some tread on the tires and and get him to play over here i, I think it's more about the, the location their location it's got nothing to do with with them wanting to make a, it, sure they want to make a splash but they know in order to make money they got to bring in stars Oh yeah, because Miami is Miami, that city too. Yeah, you're not going to draw people just based off the, the 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 level of competition or the 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 quality of play. And you got to keep in mind that they're in Fort Lauderdale got, too. You got to bring in. You got to bring in people that is going to draw the attention yep. of. You got to bring in at least two or three. Uh, you know. Wayne Rooney's, if you're thinking about in the same sense of D.C. United, what D.C. United did with Wayne Rooney. Well,
1: if you're trying to get a lot of people to come up from Miami to Fort Lauderdale, which is not... It's not even not, just Miami,
0: just anywhere in general. You're it, Nothing in Florida is a big draw because of everything else you can do down there.
1: That's true. Very true. And Miami has always been this city where even when the Heat had LeBron and Dwayne Still Wade, well. people were showing up yeah. in the middle of the second quarter to the game. You know I mean? That, that's just kind of how Miami is.
0: In the expansion draft, however, be, uh, intern, Inter-Miami... Ben Sweat, uh, in their their picks. Ben Sweat, Alvis Powell, uh those are two good picks for Inter Miami. Lee Wynn from LAFC, another great pick in my opinion. Um Luis Argudo and Brian Meredith goalkeeper uh from Seattle Sounders and uh Argudo from the Columbus Crew uh, midfielder. So look, look,
1: you, you surprised Alec like, Can wasn't the Atlanta United player taking a guy who uh, might be ready I mean, to go ahead and come in and be your starting keeper right off the bat.
0: That's the thing. Even when for not was, a whole lot of money. Even when he was the starting keeper, I didn't think he was starting keeper quality. I think for the most part, he's. <laughs> I think he's happy being in a place like Atlanta with the facilities that he gets to use every day, and not really. Re- and he gets to work with Josh. It's, it's gonna. It's gonna sound. <laughs> it's gonna sound terrible, but he's not really required to perform because he's not put in a position to perform. Dude, he's you- got to show up, practice well. Go through the. Nah, you're preaching to the choir.
1: I, I think the best job in the entire world is like third string quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, because
0: you're getting paid. At because least you're getting
1: paid a lot more than you'd be getting paid to, to do there. other stuff. And even like I wouldn't even want to be the backup. Like I want to be the third string because the backup has that pressure of you're one play away from, you know, getting in. If you're the third string guy, if the starter gets hurt, it's the backup's job to go in there, and you're still kind of chilling. Whereas, yeah. like, so I, I guess it just depends on what someone's individual motivations are. But, you know, hey, I'm, I'm not going to fault Alec Kan if those are his. I mean, yeah, yeah. You, get to, you get to be in your hometown making probably more
0: money than you would doing some other job. Uh, and and uh, you know you get to be a youth soccer coach as well. So Nashville, SC it doing does. a good job making their picks. Abu Dunladi, who we've all heard about, and, and that's for, a good pick, I think. Wade, I think so. At it's least true. A, for a starting club, yeah. I would say that
1: he's not anywhere close to being the finished product yet.
0: Twenty four starts in three seasons with, with uh, Minnesota United, eleven goals and six assists. So I mean, like it, it's 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 a great opportunity for him to kind of. Um, to start, kind of start fresh with the new team.
1: You can take risks in the expansion draft probably more than any other way of acquiring a player in MLS.
0: Zarek Valentin, another pick for uh, out of Portland uh, for Nashville SC, was eventually traded to uh, Houston for a veteran goalkeeper, Joel Willis, and $75,000 in allocation money. See, they're stacking that allocation money. Jaleel Anibaba from New England Revolution, uh, center back. Brandon Vasquez, we've already talked about. And then Jimmy Madronda, uh, left back out of a Sporting KC. Um, again, these these are these are good picks. These are good picks to start with. Um, obviously, Nashville did a little more in terms of uh, moving different pieces.
1: Yeah, they uh, had to have been on the horn. Like, Cincinnati probably sure. was like, hey, I, from, we from, from, really like Brandon Vasquez. If you want to pick him and send him to us, we'll give you something.
0: From what I understand, these things are pretty much set up well in advance. Oh, for sure. Like, unless there's some major surprise from one team or the other, these things are pretty much, the deals are pretty much set up, maybe not well in advance, but inva- advanced enough to where the players themselves sometimes know about it, and they're not surprised when, mm-hmm. when these things happened. For example, I wouldn't have been surprised if Brendan Vazquez knew well ahead of time. I'm talking about like a couple days before that he, he was going, going to be Cincinnati. moved. Yeah, yeah, it's it's I, I wouldn't be shocked at the, uh, if if that's something that happened. What I am shocked with is that they took Brandon Vasquez and maybe the idea was exactly that to take Brandon Vasquez and then flip him for enough <laughs> allocation money to get to bring in one more player that they wouldn't have get otherwise because look you can easily say Brandon Vasquez is is a less than $100,000 type of player that you that, then you if you can then flip a less than $100,000 type of player
1: for basically 200,000 for basically
0: $200,000 like, yeah. then you've gotten Two different Brandon. Invas- the point is, you're getting more for your money by depth. trading him than you are uh, yeah. just by keeping him on the roster. Maybe that was the plan all along. Because you look at some of the players that Atlanta United had kind of left exposed, and while some were obvious exposures because they were retiring, like Michael Parkhurst, um, or yeah, Jeff Lerner, if or you know like Breck Shea, who right. you don't think is going to be picked just because you, you, as a team, as a new team, you kind of want to wait and see what how he looks coming after, off the injury after the injury. Yeah. Uh, Mikey Ambrose, his contract expired. Well, from, from what I understand, I assume his contract expired because I think typically when they pick up or decline an option, the team There's typically has to, yeah, let you know about oh, This team lets people know, lets the league know about it. Uh, but John Gallagher, jo- uh, Jose Hernandez, Alec Can, Kevin Kratz, Jeff uh, Lorenowitz, Justin and Brandon Moore, uh, Luis Fernando, uh, Dion Pereira, Florentine Pagwa, and Brandon Vasquez. It's it's kind of, a. I mean, again, you have to think about the salaries behind these guys, but a Deion Pereira would, probably wasn't making that much, and he was left exposed. Um, I'm not sure how the loan affects whether they could have taken him or not. Maybe they didn't want to spend an international slot on him. Again, MLS rules are funky. Uh, Justin Miriam, I'm surprised. Again, money might have played a part, a big part into why he wasn't taken. But yeah. You do wonder if maybe Justin Merrim w- w- uh, wouldn't have been a better pick. Jeff Lorenowitz, same sort of deal. Kevin Kratz wasn't going to that much, and he could be a, a serviceable guy on any team. free-kick Maestro, man. Yeah, especially starting out. Um, but again, you don't know what the plan was for uh, Nashville. See, again, the plan very well could have been, we need a guy that we can flip for to then bring in another guy. Or two other guys. Mm-hmm. So this is a perfect opportunity for them to do that with a guy like him. Um, there's no one else on the roster that I can think of that would have drawn the same kind of money that a Brandon Vasquez would have drawn. Again, Brandon Vasquez is a guy that I'm pretty sure is making under. And I, I say this assuming that the minimum floor for salaries next year is going to be, after the CBA, is going to be $100,000. There's no one on this team, I think, that was left exposed that could bring in the kind of the kind of t- uh, allocation money that Brandon Vasquez could have been. No, he's it's the youngest
1: player, most attractive in terms Mikey of... Mikey Ambrose? Yeah, no. Mike John
0: Gallagher? No. Jose Hernandez? We, we, no one's ever heard of him. Alec Can? That's a joke, by the way. No one's ever heard of him because, and I say that because I, we haven't seen him play outside of like three or four minutes. Mm-hmm. Kevin Kratz, you're probably already paying him too much, and you probably can't get enough for him. Jeff Larentowicz probably being paid too much by Atlanta United, so you're not going to get that return that you want. Justin Miram, same sort of deal. Brandon Moore, you're not going to get enough for him. Luis Fernando, again, same sort of deal as uh, Jose Hernandez. Dion Pereira, you still wonder what the international slot has to do with uh, with maybe making that decision, maybe the loan itself. Florentine Pogba, I got to think that's making too much to. Too much to too much to them flip for a good return, or maybe just isn't worth that much. Now, Andrew Carlton didn't have
1: to be protected, right? Because yeah, of so his homegrown Mo, status? Mo
0: Adams, uh, George Bello, Andrew Carlton, Lagos Kunga, Miles Robinson, Patrick Okonko, uh, all either homegrown players or Generation dita players, they, those don't have to be protected because they're automatically protected. I gotcha. So, um, that is how that goes. But it is, I mean... It, it's interesting to see that 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 is a strategy that some of these teams go into it with. Is that that they looking for the player that b- would bring in the most amount of money? The, uh, should like they trade. then flip them? Yeah. I'm not saying that's what they were doing, but it does look like that that's what they went in. What that's the mindset they had. Now well, they
1: they flipped they Brandon Vasquez pretty dang quick after uh, acquiring yeah, him. because a lot so, of the, yeah because yeah. a lot I mean, of they, stuff they, is already kind
0: pl- of pre-planned. Pl- yeah. Um, I do wonder how what what the roster of unprotected players are United's roster of unprotected players looks like against others. I haven't done that research, nor am I going to because let's be real, not many people care about the expansion draft other than what my team is losing.
1: That's a lot of work for not <laughs> a lot of payoff. <laughs> exactly.
0: Uh, but again, that uh, I, I got to think that Brandon Vasquez was one of the top guys that they were going to get most for their money. If if they if one if they could flip him, to if they didn't, they would be happy keeping them, pe- keeping mm-hmm. a guy like Brandon Vasquez. So Brandon Vasquez uh FC Cincinnati, and then did we already go over? Or do we have uh, really, really done? magby
1: We have really done. we done
0: not intro Miami yet? I forget if that was the radio show. Yeah, we talked, we talked. We okay. talked about them. It was more so, so before, just the fact before, that
1: their their stadium sites like on an arsenic dump, and it's like okay, if you could have a choice of where to go, if you're one of these players, it's like quite frankly. Inter Miami might be better in the short term because of the money they're going to put into the club to try to be good immediately, but maybe Nashville's the better long-term play.
0: The the, the picks that Inter Miami got, though, they they were they were they're good solid picks to round out your team. Lee Wynn, Alvis Powell, Ben Sweat, those are good solid picks. Yeah, Lee Win's a really good kind pick. of to kind of fill the holes that you're inevitably going to have when you just try to go after, um, or we we assume is go after you know, named players, star players within the uh, within the the world sport. Um, you're going to need some of these guys, Alvis Powell, Ben Sweat, Lee Nguyen. Those three specifically are are good, good catches for, um, for Inter Miami. Yeah, those
1: guys will be great teammates to Luis Suarez. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> I'm
0: just saying. Yeah. Just saying. Uh, but yeah, Darlington Nagby, uh, since our last podcast, Dar- Darlington Nagby was officially uh, traded to... Uh, the Columbus Crew for 1. $1. 1.4 uh, million dollars in allocation money. That's a heck of a lot of alloc- allocation money. We'll see what Atlanta United can, uh, will do with it, because uh, there's 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 a number of options. We talked about it a little bit on the radio show, um, and it's weird because you can you can try buy down buying down say Pity and maybe going after someone else. If you're gonna buy down a DP,
1: Pity makes the most sense. Uh,
0: yeah, so you're not gonna bar goes over a million dollars. Uh, Mark, uh Joseph is a well over a million dollars uh way over <laughs> obviously pity is at i think at nine hundred thousand dollars he makes the most sense to try to buy down to then go buy someone else, not saying that 's what they 're going to do, but again, this money it's gives them option money this money gives them options to do stuff with the roster that that maybe they 're more comfortable doing uh maybe they just use the whole thing to go find someone else and 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 maybe they find someone for for less than they would uh need to pay down pity for oh, look, for and, example
1: and i I look darlington Nagby is one of my favorite players in, you know, MLS, in United States soccer. I mean, he is incredible to watch. A guy that isn't going to really show up a whole lot on the stat sheet. Didn't he score, what, one goal his entire? Was it two? two?
0: Officially, yeah.
1: I know one got taken away that was actually a really nice one uh, because Joseph was, like, standing in an offside position or something. But still, a guy that didn't show up as much on the stat sheet, two goals overall, but did show up you know, in the game, in the flow of the game, in in terms of being that link from defense to attack, in terms of being that guy that was going to be able to hold the ball in the midfield, allowing, you know, counterattacks and allowing more attackers to get forward on attacks. Darlington Nagby's ability on the ball helped this team tremendously. And Atlanta United would not have won MLS Cup and they would not have you know, made it back to the playoffs and been the number 2 overall seed without Darlington Nagby. So it's kind of bittersweet to see him go. You obviously feel for a player who wants to be closer to home, who wants to play for a coach that he's already played for, what, two different occasions at Akron and then again in Portland. Yep. So uh, he wants to play with Caleb Porter again, his family. So that's all fine. But at the same time, if you're an Atlanta United fan, you look at it from that perspective and you're like, I don't think Atlanta United. This was an offer, like the Godfather style, literally an offer they couldn't refuse because they only had Darlington Nagbe for one more year under contract, yeah. and it seems like he was pretty dead set whether it was going to be this year or next year of getting back to Columbus. So
0: you were either going to get it for one more year for nothing, or uh, you were going to get a, a lot for him for. Uh, you know, to eventually to trade him to Columbus. And one point
1: four is more because because at first we heard that it was like this mysterious highest allocation money ever, or something like that for one player. And then you're like, I don't know. But then you see the one point four million, and yeah, I mean, it, it was it was an offer they couldn't refuse in the sense that it's going to put you in a good position to hopefully get a player that can replicate what Darlington Nagbe meant to Atlanta United.
0: I think Emerson Hyman can grow into that position. I think he was brought uh, to Atlanta United to kind of eventually fill that role a little bit. Was his loan with an option to buy? Is that what's going to happen I think here? effectively it's what it is. Yeah. Um, I, I I'm not saying that Emerson Hyman is as good a player as Nagby. I I don't think anyone thinks that at all. But I think that he can um, fill part of the void that uh, that Nagby will be leaving uh, with his departure. I, I also think, again, this gives Atlanta United an opportunity to go find someone else to fill that role. To fill, fill either that role um or, or fill a, a different need that fits more of what Frank DeBoer wants to do. Um, it, it gives uh United an opportunity to to go to go find at least a player, maybe more than mm-hmm. one. Um so it, it's it's good in that sense. It, it, it gives uh it, it gives it gives Atlanta United much more flexibility than they would have before with Nagby. Um, so it look, it, if if you wanted Atlanta United to make moves in the offseason with Nagby, it was going to be tough. Without right. Nagby, it's much easier, especially now that we've gotten all this uh, Gam and tam. Um, and uh, you're also alleviating that salary off of your books. You know, just with that money alone for one year, you can get two players. Yeah, exactly. Two quality players.
1: Yeah, and I, I think too, it's just this was better for both parties. I mean, is Atlanta United going to be better without Darlington Nagby? We'll see. But having that allocation money is going to help them. Do you know, like we said, there's options they they could do a number of different things with that money. It, it definitely makes their off season more flexible in terms of options they have for for adding to this roster. And
0: you're gonna make the argument that while it 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 may not, <laughs> while Atlanta might do better next year without Darlington Nagby with whoever they bring in kind of as a replacement. I I don't think I, I don't think it could be stressed enough how much of an impact Darlington oh Darlington Nagby made. Especially in the midst of all the turmoil that Atlanta United went through in the early parts of the season, he's it one of the, yeah. It could have been a lot worse, I think, and without Darlington Nagby to kind of at least be uh, what do you call it an, an anchor to this yeah. team in, in those rough spots, in those moments where uh, instead of giving up the ball in midfield and 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 their their opponent going the other way, he was. Uh, uh, Keeping, uh, keeping uh, possessing the ball even better than than anyone else could imagine. Yeah, it was he was finding ways to to help circulate the ball to to keep the ball flow to keep the game flowing in, in a way that that uh, helped Atlanta United. I think that you would have without to Nagby, this season would have gone in the tanks, um, much like we all kind of anticipated it to go early on this season. Yeah, That'd be I mean cohesion. Nagby, yeah, know. Nagby, I think was one of the main factors in in kind of riding the ship, um, and seeing kind of Atlanta United take off. You know a quarter of the season onward. Yeah. No, obviously absolutely. no one can look at the first quarter of the season and think, oh, that was great. It obviously wasn't. But after that after that tumultuous uh uh opening, you kinda you kind of kinda write everything. I think Nagby had a big part uh to do with that, not only with his play, but with his just general leadership um and and ultimately not making a fuss about having to play with Atlanta one more year. Right. That, that could have been a a horror show in itself.
1: Yeah, absolutely. He he did kind of say hey I want to get out of here before the season started but then you didn't hear about it again until yep. you know the season ended. so a uh, great job from him in terms of putting that behind him and focusing on the task at hand with Atlanta United and for the for, for a club that's only been around for 3 years you know if you're building like a Mount Rushmore of Atlanta United players you
0: definitely want to put him in in the conversation. I think I
1: think he's you know obviously <laughs> I think Joseph and Miggy are two like locks you know if you're doing like the four heads you know Joseph and Miggy would be locks. And then for those other two spots, Darlington Nagby is certainly in the discussion for one of the other two spots just because of how vital he was to the last two seasons of this club. And and, and a guy who really, if you're just following, if you're not Atlanta United fan, if you're kind of neutral in all this, and just kind of looking at him from the on the landscape of U.S. soccer, one of the more interesting characters we've ever seen. You know, a very, maybe a little Landon Donovan-like you know, because you know, Donovan took his sabbatical from the national team, uh, wasn't really liking what was going on. Um, you're seeing Darlington Nagby turning down call-ups, uh, not happy with the way that he was being used in the system. So it's 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 interesting. He's a very enigmatic figure in U.S. soccer s- system. You know, he he's was great for Portland, played there for a long time, but it seems like he's just more comfortable either being around Caleb Porter or or being back home, or in this situation, both. You know, he gets to be back near his home and playing for a manager that coached him in college and, and coached him to his first MLS Cup triumph
0: with Portland. I didn't really thought about that before. Maybe he just didn't like playing for. I mean, he still played well. Maybe he just didn't like playing for Frank DeBoer. It's possible. It, I, I mean, mean that's there's, the thing. there's a whole there's a whole list of things. I know that he, he certainly played well. That doesn't mean you like playing for the guy y- y- uh, that's coaching you. No, but bear- again, very you might, you professional. Might, you might, you, yeah, sure, you might like your job, but it doesn't mean you have to like your boss, you know? No,
1: but that's the thing. Nagby, regardless, we're, we're doing all the speculating right now. You know why we're having to speculate? Because he didn't put it out there. Exactly. And he was yeah.
0: a uber professional I actually, through all of that. I actually love the fact that I, I can totally envision him getting the call up or getting the phone call and him being like, ah, thanks, but no thanks. Hanging up and not thinking about it ever again. Yeah, I think I, I feel like he had that kind of mindset where it, where it n- nothing kind of lasted too long with him, and he and he always thought about what was more important, which seemingly is family and just generally being personally happy. Basically, they're probably his, like, whatever situation yeah. it is. So he, he knows he's going into a situation with with uh, with Columbus Crew where it's it's going to be kind of an uphill battle to oh, yeah. to make the playoffs to to just have a successful season. He at least stay in Atlanta and, and just with the continuity itself. I'm not going to say you're a lock, but you're pretty much. Uh, uh, you've got a a better chance than you wouldn't in, uh, in Columbus to make the the playoffs. I think he wants to be back home. I think that's what makes him happy. I think he wants to get paid what he thinks he deserves, which I'm, I'm sure is part of being happy. And now he's having These, to go through
1: that with with them. Um, you yeah, know that I, that's their problem. I'm now. sure
0: I'm sure that he's uh, uh, more than happy to be back with Caleb Porter. So it, it's the whole mix of things. I hope I hope that it's it's. Uh, the ultimate happiness for him. I hope that he gets exactly what he wants. Wish
1: nothing but the best with that guy because, again, do I want him on Atlanta United? You're damn right I do. He made this team much better. Yeah. But in losing him, obviously getting that much allocation money is great. And quite frankly, he wanted this a year earlier than we gave it to him. But it's kind of like you said. I'm sure the club was like, hey, darling, can you stay one more year where we evaluate at the end of the year? As soon as that phone call was hung up, he was focused on the season. It just seems like a guy who, yeah, he may raise his own issues with what's going on at your club or at the national level. But if you, you know, put him in the right position, he's going to put his head down and get the work done. And and an incredible, incredible part of Atlanta United's early tenure in MLS, and a guy that Atlanta United fans aren't going to forget anytime soon. Very, 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 very happy for him that, um, you know, everything worked out the way it has.
0: Again, we say goodbye to Mikey Ambrose. We say goodbye to uh, Brandon Vasquez. We say goodbye to Darren Nagby. We say hello to Nashville SC. Ooh. Atlanta United will be opening in Nashville, 2020 MLS schedule against Nashville SC in Nissan Stadium. My question to you, Sam, are you going to be there? Maybe.
1: <laughs> I, mean, I don't we'll know. See. I don't plan that far ahead, man. Uh, you know, maybe I'll be there. Saturday, I do love Nashville. Look,
0: Saturday, February 29th, you take Friday off. You go up Friday morning, get in the Airbnb, get in the hotel, you know, couch serve with a friend, spend that night on the strip, Nash Vegas, baby. Then I'm just Saturday, I Saturday, have Saturday it. you recover, go to the game. Sunday morning, it's a, it's a beautiful weekend trip. I'm telling you.
1: Yeah, my assumption was correct. Uh, February 29th, uh, Georgia and Arkansas play basketball in Athens. So, so I will not be, be going uh, <laughs> to the Atlanta United-Nashville game. But I will say this. Uh, I could go. I do, You know, Nashville is a place where uh, I have many uh, couch B&Bs, a.k.a. Uh, just sliding on someone's couch for the night. It's going gr- to be great, man. I- I'm very much looking forward to this. We talked about this on the radio show. I wanted to bring it up here. I am 100% on board. I- I'm sorry. I can't remember where I saw this. Um, but the the sweet tea derby is really what I want to call this, and then once Charlotte or the team from North Carolina, so, whatever so, that may be,
0: so I think I think it's going to end up being more general than that. Yeah, uh, that's fair. I think it's going to end up being the Southern derby, Which is lame. But once Emma, uh, once uh, Charlotte gets in, or the mix, Raleigh, or whatever the North Carolina is, team is.
1: Sweet tea cup. There it is. This is what we, we've been kind of workshopping here. So Brought you have, to you by Chick-fil-A. Uh, yeah, or <laughs> Bojangles, depending on you know where the game is, or you know, uh, Hattie B's if you're in Nashville. But uh, I would say that Oh, you know
0: what'd be sweet What's if that? the winner of the previous year hosted it the next year. Oh so like let's that. say Atlanta well, let's say let's say Charlotte's in the mix mm-hmm. and Atlanta wins the first sweet tea cup, we'll call it, sponsored by Chick-fil-A.
1: Oh, I see. For the next what you're year, for the sponsorship, and then if it's
0: in Nashville, Hattie Bees, Sweet and then Tea cup. for Charlotte.
1: That would be interesting, but no, it works perfectly because look, you have the Cascadia Cup, which is Seattle, Portland, and Vancouver. Um, I'm sure there's others. You that got I'm, the Hudson
0: River Derby, but that's between two teams,
1: right? But I'm just like you have the what the Canadian Championship, I guess, yep. which is amongst all of those teams. So I just think this would be cool for Atlanta United, Nashville, and Charlotte. To once Charlotte comes in, which could be years down the road, we don't know. But it would just be a cool way. Yeah, exactly. It'd be a cool way to kind of how Atlanta United and Orlando really just forced a rivalry. Even though right now, did you know that Cincinnati is actually the closest MLS club to Atlanta? Not Orlando, not DC United. It's Cincinnati.
0: So we definitely need something a lot closer. I right, look, I love the idea of the Southern a uh, uh, a Southern Derby. I love the idea of the Sweet Tea Cup as long as we get that third team in in the in the Carolinas somewhere. Um I want more of that uh look, at least in the South. I want more of that kind of college football feel between between a a, a host of teams. And and you know what? Let's just let's just go ahead and throw whoever it is. Charlotte, Raleigh, whoever it is, and let's just make it like an SEC powerhouse type of deal with an MLS. I was
1: incorrect, by the (laughs) way. Orlando is a tad bit closer than Cincinnati, because this is the exercise you do with Major League Baseball. Cincinnati is technically the closest to the Braves. Right. But there's no team in Orlando. There's one in Miami, and there's one in Tampa. So that's where I was getting mixed up there. But still, the fact that it's that close, it's only like 30 miles difference. But...
0: Orlando's not the South, so well, no, exactly. So, go. but but ultimately That's sol- that solves that question, right? right. There.
1: But ultimately, again, the Sweet Tea Cup, Atlanta, Charlotte, Nashville, we got to make this happen. I mean, and we were talking about this on the radio show. This is a marketing opportunity for MLS. How can we make this more college football? Because what do you want to do to you know raise fan interest, especially if you're trying to recruit new fans to MLS in the South, in Nashville and in Charlotte you make it a little more like college football. You bring in this trophy because we were talking about how this isn't the South, but it is college football, how Iowa beat oh, Minnesota gosh. this past weekend and they play for a trophy called Floyd of Rosedale. And it's just a giant pig, but still, it, I think it's a way to sort of make it more college football like, uh, and just kind of, you know, be a fun nod to the Southern heritage to sweet tea uh, you know, it could also be the bless your heart cup. I guess
0: I, I don't care what it's called. <laughs> Ultimately, I, I have preferences. I don't care what it would be called. I just want it to happen.
1: But it would be sweet if it was literally like a, a sweet tea oh, yeah, trophy, for sure. like a big bronze like jug of sweet tea. <laughs> like that would be
0: awesome. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, so again, we we go we face FC since upshot Nashville SC on February 29th. The only other game we know about is Illinois uh, United facing off against Chicago in Soldier Field. I mean, at Soldier Field, yeah, they're, March, they're
1: abandoning, what, Toyota Park? Isn't that what it was called? Yep,
0: yeah, uh, uh, on March 21st. So we'll see how that goes for Atlanta United. We'll uh, look forward to that early, early start to the season. Yeah, no more Schweinsteiger for Chicago either. And uh, we'll, well, we'll start earlier than that with uh, CCL action going on. Uh, before we take off, we're going to dive into U.S. men's national team a little bit. A 4-1 win over Canada, and uh, currently, as we're recording this, 46th minute of the U.S. Uh, of the US over Cuba. In Cuba right now, Nations League action three nothing. Yeah,
1: Jordan Morris scored the second. Josh Sargent scored the first.
0: I don't know if he. I don't know if I want to call that a goal. Yeah, the one but. that Josh Sargent
1: <laughs> scored was really just kind of he fell into the goal and the ball kind of bounced off of him. Is that how we want
0: to say that's it? A, that's a Giacchi of goals right there. <laughs> Although uh,
1: Zardes is apparently his goal against Canada was pretty nice
0: look i my ultimate the only reason i bring this up is because i am going to echo exactly what taylor Tullman said it's just not good enough uh it, when you have the talent that us men's national team has just on raw talent alone it's the same conversation we have with at Atlanta United sometimes you should be beating these teams 4-1 just just based off talent alone but yeah. when you put when you put together what should be good tactics what should what should be uh, quality play um, it, it should be more than that. It should be much more than that, and, and you're just not seeing a team that that plays well against a good team. Just like Taylor Coleman said, again, it's gonna be. It's, I'm just echoing what he said. Against a good team, U.S. Men's National Team is going to look like butt every single time. Booty. And I'm. It's. It, I watched that game against Canada. Even though they were doing well, they started off well. It just didn't look impressive. It still didn't look good. It still didn't look like a team that could take on some of the best in CONCACAF. Just in CONCACAF. And do a good job. Like this is and, my and you're level. Not, and you're not going to learn anything. I know it's nation league, and, and you got to go through the, the the crap teams just like you would any other uh, big tournament. But you're not going to learn anything about the U.S. men's national team that you don't already know against Cuba. You're not going to learn anything at all. Anything at all, even if they've um, you know gone down in, in in the quality of play. You're not going to notice because it's against a crap team. No offense, Cuba. Uh, it's it's. I, I want. I, you want that mindset to change, to change. You want. You want. Uh, I don't care about the wins at this point. I want to see the quality of play get better overall.
1: Well, it's development. You have to see that development. You need to see. I, I just don't that know. Greg how you,
0: Berhalter's doing something. I don't know how you how you develop at the U.S. Men's National Team level because that's not the job of the U.S. Men's National well, Team to develop. When I say that's development,
1: the, I mean development as a team. I'm not talking about individual player development. I'm talking about developing a rapport amongst your teammates, and an ability to play with each other because club teams always have better rapport than national teams because you're with your club team right. way more. So it's about being able to bottle that up somehow and condense it because you're not with these players. If you're the manager, you're not with these players near as much as their club team managers and their club guys are. So it's about bottling it up and sort of being able to, to sort of have like a magic potion or something yeah. to where you can – much more quickly get that gel, get that cohesion, and I'll be honest with you. Uh, just with the, my level of interest in the U.S. men's national team is not high right now. I got all of my summary and summation of that game from the dude who owns the liquor store down the street from me. Like he was very excited <laughs> about Giazzi Zardes' header. Nobody really cares. I mean, is anybody like listening to this right now going out of their way to watch the U.S. men's national team
0: right now? I watched it while putting together a a TV stand. That's what I'm saying. By you're way, not. You're, it's not your main focus. You're not way, sitting down and focusing. I'm paying someone to do that from now on. That was that was a bitch. I did not like. That was not fun. Was it? Was it a uh, IKEA? No. It was. Uh, it was like uh, I think we got it from Walmart. Ah, my gosh.
1: No, those things are hard. You got to get the Allen wrench out, and
0: it, it's just annoying. I did not expect. I don't know what I expected. What, the, what would it's, you it's rather first, do though? It's the first. Uh, uh, oh, I'll pay someone to put it together.
1: Well, no, I was going to ask you. Would you rather put together a TV stand or watch the US squad that went up against Canada without Christian Pulisic take on France?
0: Yeah, no, I look I can't even I don't even want to imagine what that would look like. It would be <laughs> a beating like we could not even imagine.
1: Like full-strength France right now like in a competitive fixture would that that would be like Alabama taking on Georgia State in football. Yeah. I mean, it's just just not fair. Right now, the U.S., and and I don't, Josh has much more insight on this, and I'm sure next time we're all together, we'll talk about this, but there just isn't talent anywhere close to what you're going to face at a World Cup and a competitive fixture. The U.S.A., I mean, how many, it's not expanding for 2022, right? It's still 32 teams. I believe that's correct. I'm trying to think of if if the number is less than 31 of teams that are better in the world than the United States right now. I don't think that number is less than 31.
0: I don't. Th- I don't know that this team qualifies for the next world. That's what I'm saying. I the, don't the way, know if they're the going to get there. The way it's the way it looks now. I I, I don't have any confidence. Even th- throwing the veterans in there, I still don't have confidence.
1: The main thing I don't because have you're, confidence are you're, you're feeling
0: you're feeling well, the veteran, you're feeling you're feeling out the roster with with these kids that you're playing. And mm-hmm. I I get what's going on now. You're filling out the roster with these kids, and these kids, I don't think are are good enough to even sit next to the veterans right now. The Michael nah. Bradley's, the Josie Altadors, everyone else you're going to fill the roster with. Well,
1: you're wait, you're, you're telling me that. Mike, Michael Bradley is still in contention for a 2022 oh, World I think Cup so. spot.
0: Oh, I think unfortunately for us, that's I think so. the
1: biggest problem. Like probably more than anything we've laid out here, that's probably the biggest issue is that you haven't it, been it, able it, to replace if, those level if of players.
0: If Darlington Nagby is going to say no, and maybe that's maybe that's part of why he's like, no, nah, I'm not, I'm not playing second. field. Yeah, now that Darlington
1: Nagby isn't on Atlanta United, I can get mad at him for refusing these cards.
0: But see, I'm not mad at him because I would look at the situation with the US actually and be like, yeah, no, I want no part of this. I don't care. I, you, you don't. Pay Enough for me to, to to sit through that nonsense.
1: Well, I mean, th- there's something to be said about playing in Nations League, but also something to be said about wanting to represent your country in the World Cup. So that I agree with.
0: Yeah. I, I think that. I think it's that. I, I think that even now, the uh, he, if he had accepted a call up, he would have been called up to just kind of see how you could fit on this team. I think if you're playing him anyway, you're not playing. If you're not, if basically, you, I'm looking at Nagbe. I'm like. Immediate replacement for for, uh, for Michael Bradley. Why do you think you got to play Michael, him? How Atlanta United was playing. If, him. if Michael Bradley is is in the plans for 2022, then clearly. Nagby has no real role on this team.
1: If Michael Bradley's in the plans for 2022... He is.
0: I'm telling you, he is.
1: Then they're not going to make 2022. He that's is. the issue. Like That's the thing. They're not going to make it if they're relying on people like Michael Bradley. Just not. Because they're
0: going to rely on, on, on a Michael Bradley. They're going to rely on a Jordan Morris, who is playing better, well, that's different. but not Morris great. has been playing really well recently. Josie Altidore, you, you know what you have in Josie Altidore. Why would you expect anything to change? Unless he gets on a run that is unheard of in Josie Altidore's career... Anyways,
1: I, th- I think Josie Altador is way more usable because he can play as a back to goal striker. Oh, I think so too. Than Michael
0: Bradley, I just think against the top, the, against teams that are looking to compete against you for these World Cup spots, it's just it's not going to be good. Enough. If the U.S. wants
1: to do anything at 2022, anything, I'm talking about like get out of the first round, whatever, and and maybe you even need to switch this up for qualifying. You've got to. Like, right now, you can't make these players possession-based, Barcelona-style soccer. You can't do that because they, these players can't play that way. You need to go back, and I think we talked about this on a previous podcast, you need to go back to bunker, hunker down, beat teams on counters, use your athleticism to tire teams out. That's what the U.S. men's national team – is it sexy? Is it the beautiful game? Hell No but that's how the USA has been successful at these tournaments and you're trying to you know put this perfume on a skunk when ultimately the USA's players are nowhere near as technical as the players that they're going up against most of the time but you can put their athleticism up against anyone so i think that this is the time especially you know what what are we now i guess i guess 3 years away now so we're 2019 yeah, we're All not right, good at years. math. Sorry, we're not trying to. I I keep, I, I got thrown off because I was putting the World Cup in summer. You know, because it's supposed to be played in summer. But that's another topic for another day. With the U.S. men's national team, though, if you want to be able to compete, you're not going to be able to turn this team into a possession-based, free-flowing team in three years you're just not going to be able to do that so it's almost like you need to about face admit you were wrong say all right we're gonna leave this possession based stuff down in the u12s the u13s the u14s we'll try to get those players to know how to do it but we've already screwed the pooch with these players so we need to go back to again Hunker down, batten down the hatches, absorb the other team's attack, and then hit them on counters because that's what the U.S. has been has been successful with at World Cups. It got you to a quarterfinal in two thousand two. Um, it almost got you to a quarterfinal in
0: two thousand and fourteen. Look, I, I just I, I know this isn't the finished product. I know that what we're watching now isn't isn't what's going to the the gonna be playing in qualifiers, but. It, it, even the veterans are making dumb mistakes constantly, more than once. The team as a whole is making mistakes that, that, that should be corrected. That have to be corrected before you take on the big dogs in Concacaf. That's what I'm more concerned of. Everything Taylor Twoman said is spot on. That's just it, nothing. Nothing that I've seen here. It shows me that okay, throw in the veterans and this is all going to go away. That's not how that works. And so I don't. I don't see how. How this team is better than the team that didn't make the qual uh, that, that didn't make the world cup they're not in in um uh, in two thousand and eighteen all right um anything else we left out oh i'm buying a cow well I think I'm buying a cow like a half a cow maybe a quarter cow yeah i didn't
1: know you could do this, and you've explained it to me and it so, yeah, seems pretty uh, uh, cool
0: so uh, my brother and i my my brother brought it up randomly uh, I don't even know how we got on the topic of it, but he he asked me randomly if if uh, and if anyone has any tips or knows of this or has done it themselves, please at Eric G Quintana at Mots Podcast let us know how it went, I don't uh, how you liked it, but you can you can buy vegans turn the away. earmuffs, <laughs> you can buy a whole half a quarter cow all the all completely the meat, butchered all the meat already chopped up and yeah. everything they're just sending you the the uh you know the steaks and So
1: the, they're cutting it into the cuts right, right. they're giving you like the ribeyes the sirloins the all fillet the, they are yep. chopping it up for you They give you like uh <laughs> they give you like I would say yeah, like it's more 15
0: pounds of like ground beef alone
1: Oh yeah I mean, because a, you know what they're doing with that they're taking all the like undesirable cuts
0: It's a wow. lot <laughs> it's a lot of it's a lot of meat uh and so my brother and I are thinking about either doing half or a quarter cow and splitting it
1: you gotta get one of those big outside freezers though you like do. the well, I do
0: think if you if, if, if cause we saw on YouTube that the people have bought uh, a quarter cow and the the cuts are don't get me wrong it's a lot of meat still even a quarter cow but I think if you had an empty freezer which I have an empty freezer my brother has an empty freezer we could probably put half of a quarter cow in the freezer in our freezers and it would fill up the freezer entirely but it would still be enough where we could it would be enough room for us to not to have to go buy a separate freezer uh, but anything bigger or if you're doing the quarter cow by yourself or you don't have anything to, anyone to split it with you absolutely have to buy a bigger free uh, just a Oh, a new freezer, a whole freezer by itself. I mean, it's a lot of meat.
1: Frozen ground beef is one thing. I don't know if I've ever thawed out a piece of steak and thoroughly enjoyed it. Oh, I have. Really? It
0: keeps? It, yeah. Everything. Everything keeps. They put it in like the uh, the vacuum sealed bags and everything like that. So, but it, to be fair, I'm
1: like keeping it in my crappy like apartment freezer and not like some nice, you know freezer like you're talking about yeah
0: as long i I think as long as it doesn't you're not like defrosting and 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 freezing it again i think as long as you're not doing that it should be fine because you're you're going to get it frozen and then you're going to then immediately put it back in the freezer My freezer. my only concern is all right what happens if the power goes out how do i back my stuff up
1: you just cook it you just have a big party. You're like, "Hey, power went out. <laughs> Let's bring, go! Bring firewood. I got out like
0: here. $600 of meat. Let's We're go! Building like an outdoor grill. We're gonna build a
1: giant fireplace and put a grate over it, and you just grill it all.
0: If anyone has done this, uh, I'm I'm curious. I I, I have a, a pretty much a good gauge of what the prices are. If you're gonna buy a quarter cow, it's about $800, yeah, roughly. Dang. If you're gonna buy a half a cow, it's between twelve and fifteen hundred dollars. If you're buying a whole cow, it's like twenty five hundred dollars.
1: On a quarter cow, how much steak are we talking?
0: Uh, that's the thing. They cut it up. They cut it up differently. It's not. It's not like they just give you, you know, however many pounds a half a cow is of of just steaks. Right.
1: It's they, ground they, beef. They
0: portion. They portion it out based off the different cuts within that section. Right. Well, I'm saying cow.
1: like you'd want to get a section that has the best cuts. So I, you... I
0: think. I mean, it just depends because you're going to get. Um, a certain number of T-bones, you're going to get a certain number of ribeyes, you're going to get a certain number of all the different cuts within that section. Um, I don't know. How, I don't know the exact number. I just know it's all done basically per weight.
1: Well, you know the old saying is, "You can get a good look at a T-bone by sticking your head up a bull's butt." But wouldn't you just rather
0: take the butcher's word for it? I would, in that case, yes. Thank you, Tommy Boy. <laughs> I would. Uh, but yeah, if anyone's done that, or, highly underrated. Me. Or if uh, anyone has any tips regarding uh, where to go. Who some good? Because typically these are all just uh, local farmers. Who some good places to do this with? Um, if you got any deals, hit me up at Eric Chicontana at Mots Podcast. Sam, where can they find you?
1: At Sam J Franco on Twitter, and also uh, beefing with Hudson Mason. Apparently,
0: yeah. Listen to the radio show. You missed some good content if you didn't uh, if you didn't uh, <laughs> listen to the radio show. It's going to be like they're going to definitely use our content, the stuff you heard on our radio show, on their radio show.
1: Yeah, I have a feeling that uh, tomorrow, I guess today's hop- Tuesday, hoping, so oh, Wednesday just, at noon.
0: I'm just there for the free pub.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like I'm
0: just there for the free pub.
1: If Hudson wants to, you know, throw you know, dirt on us or whatever, that's fine. But guess what? We're still getting pub. <laughs> no such thing as bad press, baby.
0: Alright. That does it for us. Until next time. See you later, Atlanta. See ya. <laughs>